right, welcome back, HVAC crew, to another episode of HVAC R&D, Ryan and Dennis. We have a sweet show coming your way tonight. Been trying to get this guy on here. Um, We have made it into the Canadian loop for HVAC guys, and we are stoked about that. Love me some Canadians. I got a ton of Canadian buddies in my neighborhood to play golf with talk hockey with i don't know if we're going to talk hockey with this guy we'll see so without further ado let's get it going yeah come on Even uh, I got a, one dedicated walkout song recommendation, and then one was kind of more of an outro song. Try to be a little less sultry that time. God, I heard the less sultry bit cueing in there. <laughs> Nailed it right on point there, right? <laughs> Are you a hockey guy? Uh, a little bit. Uh, really, my time's occupied with family and work uh the occasional time that i can get some sports in um it's a hodgepodge of anything and everything so yeah welcome back to the show everybody um we'll go ahead and get our our guest intro so everybody knows who he is uh but first the quick shameless shameless self-promotion for the swag shop go check it out there's a couple of hats left uh, Dennis and I are still kicking around some designs for some hoodies going into the fall. It's weird to say fall because it just now hit summer, but lead times <laughs> be lead times. Lead times, will calls. What's the uh, <laughs> what's the lead time on that? What's the lead time on that? What's the lead time on that. So uh, we're we're very excited to have another Canadian brother on the show tonight. The HVAC doctor himself. guys i'm very excited to be here can't wait to get into this with y'all sweet yeah thanks for coming on man have you uh you know the deal have you picked out a uh a brew you're gonna be drinking on yeah uh brew of the week yes we we do have a uh, brew selection of the week uh today's selection is gonna be hazy days juicy ipa by cowbell brewing oh sweet very nice IPA that uh, sounds better opening. Jeez. Ooh, very nice. That sounds like a tall boy there. That's yes, sir. 
Nice tall boy coming in at a nice uh, clean and crisp 6% ABV. Ooh, solid. I like me some hazies. A lot of hazies down here, it seems like. All brand, everybody's got a hazy of some kind. Well, it was between that or uh, a Limberlost Wild IPA from Sada City Brewing, which is a very interesting beer in and of itself. May have to make a run up to get that for a second round. We'll see. Nice. So we haven't everything. really, we haven't had a lot of IPAs on the show, so this is a, a breath of fresh beer. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's not like it's another hitchhiker, right? Hey, now don't be judging. I'm not judging. I'm just calling a hitchhiker a hitchhiker. <laughs> That's the truth. hitchhiker. Yeah, All right. A, so few, a few of those went down this evening. boy. All right, Ryden, go ahead. I've got to run over here and grab mine out of the fridge. I didn't want to so, let it get warm. So um, in honor of our Canadian partnership, I thought I would uh, drink a Belmont special or two this evening, which is Crown Royal and Ginger Ale. Canada Dry, of course. Of course, only way to go. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing wrong with a good little whiskey. No, nothing wrong with some whiskey. I missed it. What do you got? I'm drinking a Belmont special, sir. Oh, boy. I said in honor of our Canadian partnership, I thought I'd drink Canadian whiskey with Canada Dry. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I got no, one I of these left. The ones you brought me, riding The uh, Cherokee Red Ale. Oh, Dude, that's a good beer. Smoky Mountain Brewery. So this one's I got a I had to get the uh bottle opener here. This is not a twist off. And we heard it hit the floor. Nice, nice. Nice reverb on that. Yep. Then this is known for a good sound effect or two. Oh yeah, I'll add some more reverb to that on the on the edit. <laughs> Beautiful. Crank that up a few amps. Alright, so I've listened to a couple uh, shows that you've been on with uh, uh, McCready, and uh, I think that's all you've been on, right? Uh, I've done... Seems like. How many am I up to with Gary? I think I've done four podcasts with Gary now. Okay. And I've done one with Josh Zolan as well uh, for Blue is the New White. Oh, yeah. You and I talked about that one. I completely forgot about it. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, Josh is a great guy doing some amazing things to promote skilled trades. Yeah, that's the thing here, right? That's what we're all here for. Um, obviously, you've got an interesting story. Um, we always try to get some guys like you on here. Um, you know, me and Ryden always say we can get some guys on here and talk about getting into the trade. I feel like everybody that listens to this is probably already in the trade. Um, but we need to get you know, social media going. That's the whole idea. Uh, getting some kids into this may not, may or may not want to go to college may, you know, is what it is. Um, but yeah, so you want to, you want to kind of take us through your story a little bit? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I don't know how many of the listeners have already listened to the podcast you guys did with my brother, uh, well, HVAC brother Ilya, the HVAC foodie, uh, he was kind enough to kind of introduce me to you guys during the podcast he did with the two of you. Yes. And okay. under the uh, you know, 
conversation of, hey, you should reach out to this guy, Matt. He's a, a doctor who uh, went into HVAC, stopped being a doctor and went into HVAC. Now, the doctor side is true. It's not medical. Uh, the kind of doctor degree that I have is a PhD in psychology. And okay. my focus in that area was on an area called developmental cognitive neuroscience. So basically, I did a whole bunch of brain imaging studies looking at multitasking and what parts of the brain are involved in that uh, across developmental time from being a kid to, say, being an adolescent to being an adult. And no. Well, this podcast just changed. No, <laughs> just no. a little bit. I feel like our, <laughs> I feel like we don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about HVAC now. I want to get into that. I know. I'm just so <laughs> interested. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> All right. Carry on. Yeah. So uh, what I did for my PhD work, I looked at uh, task switching. So being able to do one task and then switching to something that's kind of similar or even something completely different and what parts of the brain are involved in that and how they change across developmental time. And during the course of my PhD, probably about a little over halfway through, there was a change in the retirement structure for uh, professors. So the end goal that the line of work that I was in was, I was fixing on seeking out a career in academia to be a university professor. Uh, okay. And they had changed retirement. They took away retirement at 65. So now there's professors in their 80s and 90s in labs that should have been, you know, awarded to or, you know, given to other people coming up through the ranks. Uh, so I kind of realized, well, there isn't really going to be an academic career path for me to pursue given this change in the actual uh, structure of the academic world. Right. So where am I going to go? Uh, what am I going to do for a living? Really took a little while, bounced around a bit into a few different skilled trades. I'd always worked in the trades since I was an early age, around 11 or 12. Started doing carpentry with my uncle and I was doing that all through my academic pursuits. And okay. what happened as I was finishing off my PhD, I went back to working carpentry full-time, uh, quickly realized, well, I don't know if you can say quickly, but after a few years of doing that, I realized I can't be a carpenter for the rest of my life. <laughs> no, I, um, I had that sad dream too. Like <laughs> just, I love, I love carpentry work, but it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So after carpentry, I bounced over to doing hydraulic cement with a few brother-in-laws of mine. I uh, couldn't do that for a living. It was, it's hard physical labor. Not that what I do isn't hard physical labor, but it's something that I wouldn't be able to do for the rest of my life. I needed something that is a physically challenging and also mentally challenging and stimulating. Yeah. Right. So I stumbled into um, HVAC. Uh, so a friend of one of my brother-in-laws was a gas fitter and had recommended to me I go get my gas fitter ticket uh, while I'm working hydraulic cement and after I get that give him a call back and he'll get me in to the company he's working at well after I got my first uh, gas fitter ticket there's three levels of uh, gas fitter tickets 
in the neck of the woods that I'm out of in Ontario, Canada. After I got the first level, called up this guy, said, hey, I've got the my first level of gas fitter ticket. Um, is there any job opportunities? Nah, man, there isn't. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of at a pause. You know, I, I can't get you a job. I'm like, all right, no big deal. I'll start hunting around elsewhere. Uh, ended up through another friend getting a job at a local HVAC and plumbing shop in the town I live in. And the rest, as they say, is kind of history. It's uh, been now a decade or so that I've been in uh, HVAC and not looking back. It's an absolutely amazing trade to be in with so many different areas to diversify into. And that's that right there is the key, the diversification of our industry, because, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is there there are so many jobs in this industry that people don't realize exist. Yep. Well, Just because, yeah. Back a little further to like what Josh Zolan would have to say is there's so many jobs that nobody even knows of, period. Nope. In the, right. In the skilled trades across the entire skilled trades industry. And it goes further to your point, Ryden, that even within HVAC, people that are in HVAC don't even know the breadth of jobs that are available to them. No, they don't. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I mean, I kind of went the same way, right? I was in uh, carpentry and wanted to learn uh, a skilled trade that could take me further on. And I mean, I, I was even looking in the medical field, right? Like something just to get in. And man, when you start really digging in deep on HVAC and what's available, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, it's... And it's up to you, what you know, how far you want to go with it, but it's there. Absolutely. Like to speak to the the breadth of HVAC, um, I was on a uh, Zoom meeting on Sunday for World Refrigeration Day that uh, Trevor Matthews organized, and um, just to discuss the topic of why cooling matters to us. And we we're actually lucky enough to also have the founder of World Refrigeration Day join us during that call. Um, already blanked on his name uh Stephen Gill uh which was absolutely cool to see someone who actually has started a movement and um you know endeavor to bring notoriety and you know prominence and notification to the masses that hey like refrigeration touches every single aspect of modern life like you walk up to anybody and say you know name an area of life name an area of work and you'll be able to find the need for cooling within that. Yep. So whether that be in, you know, your house for, you know, your residential air conditioner and depending on where you are in uh, terms of climate, if you need heating, you know, your heat and air um, to, you know, medical production to uh, also things like, you know, just steel production uh to say tunnel boring all different levels of construction it's everywhere you know walk into your grocery store it's right in your face refrigeration is everywhere oh yeah yep and it ain't going away either no no (laughs) that's that's one of the things also that a lot of people forget and don't even realize about a career in the trades in most cases you know, and that's why you're starting to see so much 
hate to say it, but you're starting to almost see a crazy level of venture capitalists dig into the trade, which in some ways I'm hoping doesn't ruin some parts of it. Um, but you're seeing everyone all of a sudden realize that trade work is, in most cases, kind of recession proof. So you're all of a sudden, you're just, we're watching these smaller, you know, mom and pop, you know, three to 10 man shops just get bought up left and right. I was going to say, have you, have you seen that in your area? Do you know anybody that's been scooped up or? Uh, There's a number of companies. Yeah, we do see that. Uh, There are companies get bought up by larger union shops. Um, Whether or not the shop that gets bought up is union or not um right doesn't really overly matter there's some large non-union shops that also go around and buying up smaller companies if they have the right uh you know clientele base the right portfolio to be integrated into a larger company then yeah it, it can and does happen which th- there's pros and cons to that like the pro for the smaller company being brought into a larger company is you potentially have much more work that uh, can be brought to your team. The con being you're you're entering into a giant corporate monster in an, in a sense. You're you're right. now becoming just a number. You lose that mom and pop feel of family to a certain degree. Yeah, I've I've, I've heard some around here locally talked about that with me and um. Some of them let you just do your thing, right? Let you continue to run it. Um, but we all know there's some there's some companies that need some help for sure on that side. Um, I don't know how many times we've talked about on here where the, you know, at the end of the day, a technician, you know, a, a technical guy started the, this company and um, he's not a businessman. So uh, usually it needs cleaned up on that side anyway. Um but yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been seeing that a lot. I know it, it's constantly in the HVAC news, which I got today. Some of these topics I've got on here are in here that I, I was reading on today. Um, and that's always in there. Companies getting bought up, but yeah, so we're definitely, uh, HVAC's popping up on the grid a little more and more. And I know social media is a huge part of that feel like that that whole side is growing big time i feel yeah, like that's... we're seeing it grow on platforms that you never initially expected to see it grow on so not only that's, that's is it growing on you know it, it's been on facebook and on instagram for quite a while it's growing on linkedin uh and somewhat recently you're seeing a big growth on tiktok as well right so it's permeating multiple platforms and you kind of see a bit of a slowdown and shift away from one platform to another to a certain degree when it starts picking up, say, from people on Instagram to now going on TikTok. Uh, some people completely abandon one platform and exclusively stick with another, depending on where you know the crowds are and where the followers are going. Hey, myself. I was going to say, that's been one of our things. It's been, which one do you pick? Or which you want the quick answer? You pick all of them. I know, which is what we're attempting to do. I'm still looking for that social media guy we can bring on 
we can hire Ryden for zero dollars to manage yeah. our. Uh... <laughs> yep. Yep. Working on it. It's so man. It's so time consuming. Holy cow! It is. It's pretty much a second job, on top of the uh, you know jobs that we have in our line of work that you know have awesomely regular hours of nine to five. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. We know it. A long line that I've used is most people work nine to five. Here in HVAC, we work five to nine and beyond. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we were late getting on the show here. Um, of course, you know, I'm, I'm tech support and riding sales, and we had a contractor that was uh, leaning hard on both of us and, uh, you know, install 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 that'll that'll take us into another little segment here if you want um oh, yeah. install is everything <laughs> i don't know if you want to start on that matt <laughs> yeah right so and we have previously before starting to record uh talked about kind of down in your neck of the woods the difference between the service technicians and installers where the installers aren't necessarily brought up to the same standards or same level of training as the service technicians, right? which is a huge detriment. Your installers have to be on the same level as your service technicians and vice versa for everything to work smoothly and harmoniously. Because if you're just paying an installer to go and slap in a piece of equipment under, you know, uh, basically piecemeal work, um, where you know you have X amount of units to go install, they're just going to go and put them in in the quickest and easiest way that they can figure out to do so. Yep. Right. Which ultimately then, once a service technician shows up to try to remedy any issues with the piece of equipment, they're going to find a litany of problems associated with the install. Now, some of that can be avoided by everybody simply RTFMing, reading the <laughs> funny manual, insert your other pejorative F word if you wish, but people don't take time to read the OEM manual for installation. It needs to be done. I had a, yep. an instance today where the first call I had today uh, was to a humidifier for a process oven and the humidifier apparently was installed approximately nine months ago and did not work properly since day one. Well, when I walked into the site and took a look at how it was installed, the individual who installed it did not read the manual. There were multiple installation errors that caused multiple problems and issues with this humidifier. And until those are resolved, I have the appliance left off. They're going to have to have someone come in and reinstall the uh, piece of equipment. And when they've done it per the OEM manual, then I'll come back and I'll commission it for them to make sure that it runs properly. You're probably seeing kind of similar things out in your neck of the woods. Oh, uh, we well, do. a lot of guys will call me and they'll say, hey, um, I'll start getting the model and serial from him. And as, that, as he's giving me the model, I'm bringing up the manual, the install manual. Because whatever he's going to ask, something crazy, it's going to be in there, right? That's just where it's at. Um, you know, I'll say, what you got going on? And he's like, man, I'm trying to get this put in. And it's not, you know, this furnace isn't draining properly. Or, uh, 
and it's right there you know it's always right there and it they probably think i'm a genius you know they're like god this guy's always knows what the heck to tell me and i'm just reading it off the screen i mean he's smarter than he's letting on though he's smarter than he's letting on (laughs) i'm just saying it's you know it's not something where i got i mean there's times where we got stuff where i'm writing down a bunch of pressures and temperatures right but I get a lot of calls, man, where it's like, shoot me a picture of that, uh, where you converted that furnace, right, to drain, you know. He'll send me a picture, and I'm like, man, you can't hook that right there, you know. I was like, But did they zoom pi- out enough on that picture? Oh, yeah, well, that never happens either. Uh, give me a uh, whole yeah, picture. Yeah, don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> but can you drag it across the desktop? You can drag it across the desktop. <laughs> yes, you can. Fax me that picture over. That's what I'm going to start telling them. Exactly. Fax me that picture. <laughs> we'll make sure it's going to Cajun Joe first before he tries to send it to you boys. Yes. I actually talked to Cajun Joe twice today, two in one day. Dude, I talked to him, tw- I think, two or three times a day, too. He was asking me about a. Uh, t- the first call was I got a two ton heat pump and I got a quarter inch liquid line and it's 30 feet. Can I use it? No, he had a two and a half ton heat pump. And with our brand, after two ton, it's uh, he's like he's like, no, yeah, it ain't working on two and a half. And I looked it up, right, and it's in the manual for thirty Imagine feet. That. Two it's in the manual. Yeah, quarter right. inches. So on the new manual, quarter is not even listed. Okay, then they've changed it because that yeah. was one of our biggest advantages was that we could use a quarter. So up, up to, to two three ton. ton. I know. Yeah, that's. Well, they're changing piping diameter for the coils anyway. So. That's true. Um, so that was his first call. The second call, he butt-dialed me. So, <laughs> I bet that was interesting. Was he talking to Chris the whole time? No, I was hoping so, but I called him. I, I guess I – well, you know, it was one of those where it comes in and then it hangs up. Yep. And I, I just called him back. He's like, I didn't mean to call you. I butt-dialed you. You can talk to Chris, though, if you want. He's sitting right here. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to Chris. <laughs> That's his little partner in crime there. Uh, so nah. yeah, Chris is a hoot. He's like, all right. Well. back with, oh, sorry, I got a tech support call coming in. I got to take. Oh, yeah. That's all day. So, yep, got to talk to him today, and then we talked about your mom a little bit. It was good. Good time. Yep. Good catching up. Yep. I but, know uh, he's about wore out with that one. She had foot surgery on Friday. Yeah, he said he's uh, got a lot of... He's wearing a lot of hats right now. He needs to just retire and start working in his wood shop. And hopefully one of those hats yeah. is from the swag shop that you can go to at HVAC R&D. Right? right? Yes. For the That's two right. preferably. That's preferably where uh, we like people to get their hats Another from. shameless plug from our buddy here. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just don't little... ask what the lead time is after those two hats are gone. I mean, no. I guess it, it depends on where it's shipping to. Yours was if it's Canada. It's three weeks. <laughs> so uh, to be to be fair, um, I gotta say that uh, the the hat arrived probably about three days before I had a chance to sit down and actually open it up and make that video. No, so, so good time, good time. What's what's funny is when I mailed yours, Foodies, and uh, HVAC Chronicler. Who I actually got it out without screwing it up. That's tough. That one's that one's that one you could stumble over really easy. Try pronouncing his last name though. Uh, 
Um, but no, I had gotten them all packed up and then we were leaving to go down to, to Myrtle Beach for my buddy's wedding. And I didn't, I didn't get to the post office before we left. So I drove them with me to the beach. And the second day, the second morning we were there, we went to Walgreens for something. I can't remember what the heck we went for. Um, but we went to Walgreens at like 9.30 a.m. or something. And there was a postal service worker there. And I ran him down the parking lot. I was like, hey, can you take these three packages for me? <laughs> Dude, he was like, he just gave me that look. He's like, yeah. If you were at Walgreens and Myrtle Beach, okay. you were probably getting bush light. Don't lie. No. No. <laughs> I had uh, I had two cases of hitchhikers in the back. They rode oh, all the way down to the beach with me. <laughs> I was well prepared. Oh, boy. So, wormhole. Yeah, so we'll get back to what we were talking about earlier with the installers. Um, probably the best the best line I have when I'm doing training classes is I always tell them, Hey, if the owners can come sit in on the, sit in on the class, of course they never like this, this quote, but, um, the installers are putting in the equipment that your salesman just said is going to be the best in the world. And you guys do the best install there is you slap your name on it. That's what the installers are putting in right the technicians are out working on everybody else's stuff um and i never have installers in my classes so i started just doing heat pump install classes two hours um startup classes um install and startup and riding will tell you it was hell to try to get people to come because he would say we got to install a heat pump startup class and they're like we don't need to come to that i'm like yeah you do you called me like 50 times last week on an install problem you know so that's that's where we're at with these we got to get the the residential market with the the installers have got to step the game up and the i think the companies have got to kind of change how they're doing that right maybe pay a little more um i think the technician and the installer like you said has got to be on the same level right yeah uh, i'd firmly and wholeheartedly support the notion that both installers and service technicians should take time to reverse their roles so service technicians should go and do install for a while to appreciate what install techs have to go through and install guys should have to go and do the same thing that service techs do and appreciate, and I use the term appreciate loosely, I put big air quotes around that, appreciate <laughs> so having to access things where zero, minimal service clearances were, uh, how do we put it politely, uh, not followed at all. Right. Um, <laughs> try wedging yourself into an appliance whether it be commercial, like what I do, or residential, where your guys' focus is, where you actually cannot fit in to work on the appliance because service clearances were not paid attention to. Yep. It, it then becomes a, how do I bleeping work on this thing now that it's broken and I can't get to it? Am I knocking down walls? Am I carving open ceilings? Been there, done that with in both situations. And oh, yeah. to have an installer have to go through that, uh, 
it's an eye-opener, I would say, for them, if they ever had to encounter that. I, I remember one of the first service calls I went to, um, I was still a carpenter, and I was going to school at night, and then um, I had a, I worked 410, so on Fridays, I would just go to work with the, uh, the HVAC guy I ended up going to work for, and he would just... I was like, let me just ride around with you, just see if this is something I want to get into. And he put me on a service call, and it was just a residential house in the corner. So the unit was sitting in the corner of a house out back, and the service panel, we're talking six inches from the house, right? Like (laughs) my drill would not, I couldn't even get the screw out. I had to use a stubby to take the service panel off. <laughs> yep. I mean, let's just, and, and, and then lay down on top of it. And I'm thinking, God, are these all like this? You know, and using an <laughs> inspection mirror to try to get the right view angle on what you got to work on. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was a Goodman. So it was probably a bad capacitor or something, but anyway, um, I couldn't even get to anything literally. And I'm thinking, how did, who, who, who put this in? Of course it was a, zero lot line right so there was a hill right there and it just i mean just it was a bad idea bad bad install bad the whole nine yards the whole neighborhood was bad the builder the whole you know so you could see the the vinyl siding was was melted from the install (laughs) it had the uh you know the elephant man look already going up the side (laughs) of the house um (laughs) pay more for that art deco look right that's That's it that's it but yeah, I mean stuff like that in in service, it's uh, is quite comical what you run across in service. Oh yeah, um, to access different things, you've got to bend your body in ways that you never thought it would move. So what's the craziest? I mean, what's the craziest here lately that you've walked into, either location or, you know. 100 foot ladder you had to come up the side of a building or (laughs) so i guess kind of hvac foodie Ilya alluded to the kind of work that i do um that i've transitioned over to being a commissioning technician so currently i work for a rep firm that uh sells a select line of commercial um hvac products that also will permeate the residential market as Mm. well on terms of our indoor pool dehumidification systems uh, and the humidifier and dehumidifier systems that are the parent company I work for uh, sells. Okay. Uh, Most of my stuff, I'm commissioning packaged air handling units and rooftop units. Uh, So... In terms of crazy locations, similar to Ilya, I've worked on various government facilities, um, different military facilities, uh, different schools. Some of the crazier ones would be military facilities where uh, you have to have a certain level of security clearance to even enter the facility, go through multiple police background checks before you're allowed to walk on the premise. Uh, as you're going through the premise, you're not allowed to have a cell phone, uh, mm. which is a big bone of contention. 
Because if I'm going to work on a piece of appliance, an appliance up on the roof, piece of equipment up on the roof, and I need to call tech support, yeah, I want my, I want to be at the unit, and I want my phone with me. It's something I had to fight long and hard with on on a site to have that happen. Like, have your security guards follow me, have them shadow me the entire time, because if I'm up on the roof and I got to call tech support, and I got to come back down from the roof and yeah, go it's... retrieve my cell phone from lockup, call them and say, hey, this is what I'm <laughs> experiencing. And they go, oh, can you check out, you know, terminals, you know, one and five and see what your voltage is. Well, I'm going to have to call you back once I lock up my cell phone again, go back up to the <laughs> roof, check it, then come back down and try to get a hold of you again and wait the other, you know, half hour to hour to get a hold of tech support. That sounds like mini split uh, tech support back in the day. What do you mean back in the day? Oh, still. Wait. Oh, wait. It's still about the bad. <laughs> There's certain manufacturers that have way better technical support and uh, you know better wait times uh, before you actually talk to a uh, tech support representative. And then there's... Yeah, I think they're, they're spread a little thin, I believe. I don't know. Yep. There's you, other you ones... You wouldn't know anything about that at all, would you? No, not at nothing, all. Nothing at all, <laughs> No. There's other ones where you call into a call center, they derive a case file for you, and they say, we'll have a technician call you at their earliest convenience. And four or five days later, you get a phone call. Yeah, you still at that uh, piece of equipment? Yeah, I've been having food flown in. Thank goodness you <laughs> called. I thought I was about to die. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's. I don't know whether it's, you know, three or four guys for the United States for some of these things, or... Um, I don't know. I'm kind of glad that I'm, I'm the tech support. I am, you know, I've covered certain branches and the techs that, that buy out of that branch. And I feel like I, especially for North Carolina, I almost know all of them at this point. Right. right. I mean, whether they've came to training class or, um, just talking to them. So when they call, I pick up, I mean, it's just, what else do I got to do? That's my job. So, uh, but I do hear, I do hear that a lot and I'm hearing more and more of can't get a hold of this guy. Can't get a hold of that guy. And that's, I think that's another little problem in our industry right now, which is what blue on is trying to tackle, uh, with their, with their deal. Um, distributor tech support, I feel like needs to step their game up a little bit. I don't know what the answer is, but um, I think in part Blue On is trying to take a stab in the right direction, but I, in my humble opinion, I think they're casting their net way too wide. Right. Um, See, there's in some ways. There's pieces of equipment that they have OEM manuals for and say that they can provide tech support, but I'm not calling about those pieces of equipment. I'm not going to give Blue On a call. I'm going to call the manufacturers. Right. Because right. unfortunately, Blue On's not going to know the answer to the question that I'm going to pose. It's, I got to go right to the actual manufacturer for that. Right. And I can say for one of the product lines that our company uh, reps and uh, services, the tech support, um, it's a American based uh, company across uh how many states? They got locations in three different states. 
Um, so one of them I visited in uh, the Kansas area and their tech support for controls tech support um, was actually very interesting to see because each controls tech support gentleman has his own cubicle and my preconceived notion would be it was a guy sitting there at a computer with a whole bunch of manuals that he could <laughs> open up on his computer or um, open up um, like actual hard copy uh, but no they had actual mock-up boards of all the controls of old generation controls and new generation controls oh wow now let me add a little something in here that well the people listening aren't going to hear but you guys are going to see I was going to say did you see my question okay oh, yeah. that's what I was curious of it was one of the two when you said Kansas and Heartland, I was going one or the other. Yeah, so was, I had the, the pleasure of going to what's affectionately called the cave for some training. Nice. Because <laughs> it is literally in a cave, which is pretty cool to go and see. I was say, that makes it that much cooler now. Yeah, in that neck of the woods, apparently, you know, big mining uh, right. was going on and still is going on. Uh, and the abandoned mines, they've repurposed into actual uh, office spaces. And uh, cool. at least, it, you know, at least it's not wasted. Well, the yep. temperature stays pretty even, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> climate control is pretty even, which makes it ideal for manufacturing certain controls and uh, electronics. Nice. All right. So it completely blew my mind seeing all these mock-up control boards where they're going to try to simulate the problem you're having out in the field right there at their desk and then come up with the solution with you. Which to me just seems next level kind of commitment to tech support. So when Cajun Joe was first getting into HVAC, from, from what I can remember of different stories he's told, one of these days we will get him on here and we will get the, the full version of the story, <laughs> uh, which will probably take 20 minutes longer than mine. Um, yep. But when he first started um, HVAC as his second half of his life career, apparently, um, he spent two weeks at a training class for another company in the heartland out that way, which but that was before it was who it is now that was when it was you know original of what they were um and he spent two weeks out there in a duct design class where they had a full lab and everything in the lab was either clear and round or clear and square and you could build an entire mock-up system out of these square plexiglass you know or round pieces and then they'd flow smoke through it and let you actually see what the air's doing and oh, yeah. teach you how to design a system i was like i wish we had a lab or something like that that we could do stuff like that with to show these guys what is really happening because a lot of times they just don't they don't understand all of it because they haven't seen it yeah and being able to show them like in that case or i don't know if you guys have seen um, I believe Tecumseh has it, um, a basically Lexan encased compressor. So you can actually oh, yeah. see the refrigerant cycling 
and circulating within the compressor. Yeah, I've see seen videos of that. It's yeah, pretty sweet. It's absolutely amazing to see in person. It's one thing to see it in a video. To see it in person is a completely other different experience. I remember in shop class we had, or auto mechanics in high school, we had the, you know, 350 small block mini version. It was clear and you had the little crank and you could turn it and see all the pistons going up and down and the, you know. When you see stuff like that, you know, like if you go to AHR um, and see all that with all the clear tubing, refrigeration lines, um, Sometimes you, you, a little light bulb goes on, you know, for some of these guys on how the refrigeration cycle works. Uh, and that's what it takes, you know. I'm always yeah. trying to build stuff like that as close as I can, you know, the best I can for classes. Well, um, and to speak to that too, Dennis, is just, you know, everybody learns different. Like you said, the light bulb comes on for some people when they see it that way. Um, right. Stuff like that is more beneficial to me. Cause I see stuff the same way. Like I can talk about it as much as I want, but sometimes I just need to see it because when I can actually watch it happen, then it clicks. So what are you seeing up there, Matt for, and you may or may not can, you know, what are you seeing on the residential side up there as far as technology? I mean, uh, the residential it, side, I don't actually really touch. I know. Um, I'm just saying. I didn't know. If in terms of seeing equipment, um, so the one area that I actually do some residential work right now in is in steam humidification products. Hmm. Uh, in terms of actual uh, furnaces and air conditioning, um, what I'm seeing. As, I mean, are heat pumps big? Are heat pumps making a big push up there? You just read my mind, Dennis. Yep. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to see, and we're already seeing a push to decarbonization, a move away from natural gas as a source of heating. So there are actual government incentives for installation of heat pumps and also the building of net zero housing. So uh, if you're ever interested in seeing some of the net zero uh, housing construction on Instagram, I'd recommend going check out Aaron Bond's web page or Instagram page. He's got some great content for that up. Uh, also, a good buddy of mine uh, who's probably about a half hour drive from my house, Tyler Dines. If you want to see like next level installation that can rival Flintstone, that can rival Mike Flynn, you know, look up my buddy Tyler as well. Mm. Uh, they're doing work on houses moving towards net zero as well which you'll be seeing the move of heat pumps coming in as well i was gonna say how how heavy is the heat pump push getting for you guys the way it is down here uh it's getting heavy also on the commercial industrial side so was about a week or two weeks ago um i was out commissioning a community center uh, where I was lucky enough to have uh, Mr. Know-it-all himself, Gary McCready, join us to help out, uh, where we're commissioning Aon uh, heat pump units, heat pump our rooftop units with auxiliary modulating uh, natural gas as a backup. Mm, and okay. 
again, it's a government incentive to put heat pumps on a facility. So your primary mode of heating on these units, on these larger units, I think the smallest one on that facility is a six ton, and the largest is a 40 ton. Um, they're all going heat pump. Uh, the only time the natural gas heating is gonna come on is when it goes into defrost mode. And you actually have to reverse the cycle and do air conditioning in the winter to defrost the out outdoor coil. Right. So yeah, instead of electric uh... heat to supplement when you're in air conditioning mode, they're going to put in enough natural gas heat to uh, supplement that. And in essence, what you're going to be doing is dehumidification. So how much natural gas is on that for defrost or it depends on the tonnage up. of the equipment. On that 40 ton, you said? On the 40 ton unit, uh, there's about 800,000 BTU of uh, natural gas heating capacity. Jeez. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Especially That's up there. Lot. So down here, you'd probably see like 600, I would guess. Because like most of the 20 ton stuff that I usually sell is 300 or so. 25 is still usually 300s down here. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I know I know our brand is going up to 30 next year. So I'm curious how those models are going to shake out and what what available BTU packages will be on those things. Of course we don't see now now are you seeing these are all their systems dual fuel heat pumps as packs for that reason? Yeah. Okay. So see, we're we're not we haven't seen any commercial dual fuel stuff at all. We used to have a residential dual fuel, and it's been completely gone away with as a pack. Um, it's quite possibly going to make a comeback. <laughs> and see, that's all. That's what I grew up doing because where I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina, everything was propane. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I said on the last show, but I didn't even know an eighty percent furnace existed until I went into wholesale. Just about. Because we put 90s in everything. In attics. We put them in attics in the mountain suit, people. We did. I know. I had a guy call me the other day, ask me, can I put this 90 in this attic? And I'm like, yeah. Dude, it, it hit in the teens maybe six years ago here. It's fine. <laughs> Just insulate it. <laughs> Just insulate the drain. It's going to be more um, than fine. Yeah. So... HVAC news came out. Um, I'm skipping a little bit here, but since we're kind of on that, um, what do you think about this Tesla pushing some pushing some products, um, kind of bringing some AI into into HVAC somehow? Of course, I, this is going to be on larger scale. I mean, at yes, first, so this is. I'm going to be honest, first time hearing of it, so you're going to have to bring me a little bit uh, up to speed. before yeah, I can we've, I've been hearing it a bit more, too. Yeah, I mean, I think he was wanting to kind of tinker around with getting into the residential market, of course, creating a heat pump. Um, but HVAC news I got today, it says right here, let's see. So he's had sensor data on some units on his uh you know his gigafactory in nevada for six years now so he's got that data 
and he's going to use that data to create artificial intelligence to control 195 units on this factory. Now, maybe you could kind of help me. <laughs> that is a what, beast what do you of think a AI system. would be? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what would AI be in your what you're working on day to day right now with controls? Like, so what are we what, even talking about here? From what you're, what I'm hearing is more or less he's just rebranding the term BAS or yep. BMS, exactly. building automation, building management right. systems. So that's something that's been around for a long, long time in, in the commercial world. It's uh, you've got multiple pieces of equipment in a facility and you want one centralized controller for it to tell all these diff different and various pieces of equipment what to do and when to do it. So how's that? Essentially, it'll just do it on its own. Yeah. Or just that, with an algorithm or something, right? Probably like a really fancy that's programmable what, thermostat. <laughs> that's what BAS does. So yep. it's a whole bunch of Boolean if-then statements that are um, transmitted through a PID loop, a proportional integral derivation loop, where basically the PID loop is looking at uh, PID. You can basically chalk that up to layman's terms of looking at past, present, and future. Right. How did this piece of equipment perform in the past, in the last little bit? How is it performing right now? And based off of those two factors, how do we want it to perform moving forward? Okay. To me, that already sounds like we already have it. Right. You know, I could be missing a, a whole lot out of uh, you know, what, what Tesla and what uh, Musk are looking to do uh, with integration of what they consider to be EI into HVAC. Um, I'd have to take a look into it to, to actually form a, a better, um, you know, opinion of the matter and be able to yeah, speak I mean, more clearly on it. It just talks more about efficiency, which is the same thing you just said, right? Just keeping it instead of, um, shutting down, coming on, shutting down, right? It's just, uh, trying to maintain a little tighter tighter value there well but here's here's the other flip side of that coin so the six the six years of information he has off of the equipment in his factory most likely every bit of that equipment was put in around the same time and it's all roughly kind of the same level of technology so that's great if he wants to build ai based on that factory but he goes to any other factory, that AI is going to have a hard time trying to understand why this 30-year-old piece of gear that's still running that they don't want to change can't do what this newer piece that just got changed out did. I don't see how it's going to understand that level of difference in efficiencies. Now, if he's going to build a BAS system and he's going to put in every bit of the equipment and he's going to design the, the inverter technology to go along with it, then right. maybe he can say he's going to guarantee that he can have higher efficiency levels across the board. But if you're not, you know, it, it goes back to everything we talk about with ratings. It It's not all going in a perfect world scenario. It's not. And, you know, I hate to say it, but if you look at the quality of the interior of his vehicles, the inside of an HVAC system, the design <laughs> scared me. Uh yeah, to be frank I, and honest, if he's designing any of his HVAC equipment, uh, a la, you know, the batteries he's got in his cars, I'm, I'm going to be very afraid. 
Also, yeah. if, if he kicks those systems into auto-drive mode, look out. Watch out who's going to die. I know. Insert burning down the house song there. Um, <laughs> exactly. And also, insert, kidding. please don't come after us for financial uh, reconciliation. <laughs> right. Everybody yeah, I mean, needs I keep haters, seeing, man. Everybody I keep needs haters. Stuff. <laughs> hey, the haters drive you to do better. That's right. That's right. One day he right. might say thank you to HVAC Doctor and HVAC R&D for inspiring him to create some crazy new technology. God, I hope so. You're I welcome, so. Elon. <laughs> and we'll take our payment now in lieu of this. Yeah, and hurry up and fix the ice cream machines at McDonald's already. I'd just like to know what the lead time on that <laughs> payment is. Oh. Right? <sighs> we went we went through McDonald's the other night. My kids were like, wasn't Elon supposed to fix these? Because they were like, sorry, the machine's down. I'm like, of course it is. Now, uh, which makes it even more scary. If you can't fix an ice cream machine, what makes you think you're going to actually be able to uh, control complicated HVAC equipment? Right. Yeah, well, the word he was the word was he was going to buy all the McDonald's and then fix the machines because they're sure. never working. <laughs> sure. What's is. funny is in the four months I actually worked in McDonald's, our ice cream machine worked the whole time. Apparently the clean the cleaning is the worst thing and nobody wants to do that. I don't know. No, it's like cleaning pop machines. That's yep. why I'll never put ice in any of my uh, <laughs> fountain pops. Oh yeah, you work on a few uh, refrigeration I items. Have, you I will have in the past. Yep. I know. <laughs> no it's, ice for Matt. Nope. It, it's something that. Uh, I'll skip, please. <laughs> I know how those things are cleaned, and I don't care to put that in my body. <laughs> I already put enough bad things into it doing what I do on a daily. No joke. Right? The amount of pro-dope, phosgene, and other chemicals that I've been exposed to, uh, you know, we'll probably uh, counteract that ice, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll just deal with that and keep the ice out. <laughs> so I hadn't had a good phosgene cough in a while, man. I've been out of the field. Man, that is... That's brutal. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. uh, almost it's, as bad as getting a good <laughs> solid hit of ammonia. Yeah, I mean, it hits you and you're oh, zero. You can't. It just shuts you down right then. <laughs> I'll never forget we were doing a two-system change-out um, residential and attic. Pump the unit down. All right, man, you're ready to go. And he cut the wrong unit loose in the attic. Yikes. And it just filled the whole attic up. I poked my head up in there to <laughs> see what was taking so long and couldn't even see him standing over there. But right. What just happened in here? All right, so you want to get into your... I, I, I see most of you and Ilya's tools, but you want to get into some tools you like to use in your line of work? Yeah, uh, so first and foremost is a laptop that I need uh, for commissioning. Uh, In the absence of that, stuff isn't getting done, right? (laughs) Uh, So we got nice, we were provided with very nice um, uh, tough books. Uh, Super strong laptops, great screen resolution and brightness and bright sun. 
you almost don't need to set up your Supco uh, Trade Fox umbrella to see the screen <laughs> in the bright right. sun. That's more just for keeping you yourself cool. Right. Uh, one that I get a lot of questions on on my social media pages are where can I get that dang laptop holder? Heck yeah. I even oh, yeah. asked that question. I've seen that the first <laughs> time I looked on there. I'm like, that's pretty slick. So it's um, a magnetic laptop shelf, uh, which also doubles as throw all your tools on it uh, hmm. while you're working on stuff. Uh, it's available from Utila Shelf uh, that you can find on Amazon uh, and certain local HVAC and electrical distributors also sell it. So we've got an electrical distributor in our neck of the woods that we purchase them from. And that thing is absolutely amazing to have when you have to use a laptop or you know whatever technology that you need to set up to actually interface with a piece of HVAC equipment. You just throw the shelf on the side of the uh, piece of equipment and away you go. Um, other tools, hand tools, anything Weira and Knipex, absolutely okay. love them. Um, you Phil Peace guy on your wireless? Yep. Okay. Um, so I'm a, I'm a mix of both field piece and testo. Okay. Um, before going to that, um, I will also add hand tool wise, uh, got to put the American plug in for channel lock because always use channel lock on the daily. They've never let me down, never failed me. They're just, right. they're just built proper and built to last. So me and riding growing up down here, channel lock was a it was a plier like mm -hmm. it wasn't a brand yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's like coke right like, would, can i get a coke channel lock with the no somebody said pills. hand me the channel locks oh, yeah. right yeah and you always think of the pliers well because i that was the only yeah that was the i only guess thing i did had channel lock brand you know he raised me as a gopher in a work truck so i heard channel locks and i went for the the teal handle pliers every time yeah <laughs> right yeah what else do they make right I, in my tool pouch so um i don't actually have channel lock pliers in it uh believe it or not uh what i have is i got a, a pair of channel lock linesman pliers mm. uh i have a pair of channel lock um stake on crimpers uh yep. best stake on crimper i've used and i've used a, a whole litany of different ones I've got uh, a couple pair of channel lock side cutters. What well, we call them side cutters down there. You call them dikes or diagonal cutters. Uh, I'm a side cutter guy. Yeah. Dikes gets used a lot down here. Yeah. I've heard many a, many a person I've talked with uh, down south of the border say dikes. And the first time I heard it, I, my mind went elsewhere. I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who started that? I know. Uh, what else do I have channel lock to divert away from that? Um, what else do I have from them? Uh, snap ring pliers. Oh, yeah. And that's probably the main ones that I carry from them in my tool bag. Um, going to probes, um, I'd mentioned I use both Testo and field piece. So for my refrigeration probes... I'm using field piece. Uh, I just feel that their temperature clamps are constructed better than the Testos. 
Oh, I'm not yeah. a fan That's... of how the Testos clamp onto pipes. They tend to slip a lot. Well, that, that field piece clamp, to me, it's currently probably the best clamp. Yep. I mean, I the spring, you know, um, I know they're... They're clamps that come with like their, um, not analog, but, uh, I can't think of the name of them. The, uh, S-Mans and stuff. Yep. The, the blue hand, the blue ones are no, no bueno. They break mm. in a week, but yeah, that plus that new, they'll clamp on to quarter inch, which when I'm doing a lot of mini split stuff, uh, a lot of clamps won't do quarter inch. Exactly. So, their uh, psychrometers are also very good. I like that they a they have built-in magnet to hold the body where it needs to be, but the tip is flexible, so you can move it around to where you need it to go into right. a piece of duct or into a unit wherever you need to place that. It comes in very handy. Uh, their their refrigerant probes, their pressure transducers they're okay um i'd like them to be shorter like the testos because uh, right. sometimes they, they don't fit where you necessarily need to fit them because of the length but by and large they're they're more than fine i do prefer the uh field piece uh smart probes app over the testo app myself um in terms of testo products i'm using um i'd I'd say I'm using them because Fieldpiece doesn't have uh, a probe out that does what the Testo probe in question does. So they're airflow devices, they're airflow probes. So the rotary vane anometer and the hot wire anometer, hmm. Fieldpiece doesn't have one yet. So you don't have a means of calculating you know, your feet per minute, your CFM. Uh, with the current lineup of field piece probes. They're probably yeah, in, they just in development. Static. Yeah, so you can, with the field piece manometers, which I have as well, you can you know, do your static, do your right. external static pressure on, on a residential furnace if needed. But if you need to calculate actual airflow, the field piece probes currently don't have that out in our market. I don't know if they have anything of that nature down out in your market down south. No, I've I've looked for that. Um, they do not. I mean, you know, they may be waiting to. Maybe there's some proprietary stuff they can't get a hold of. I don't know. Maybe but, um, possible. But, like there are other, you know, manufacturers not probe wise, but they make handheld hot wire anometers and rotary vane anometers. So you wouldn't think that there's. Right. necessarily any pri anything prepared i can't even speak anymore proprietary there we go there, i was used hazy old Beautiful. hazy IPA. got him <laughs> the old uh, hazy got me uh, <laughs> my mind was stuck on trying to say rochester rochester <laughs> uh so uh, yeah there shouldn't in my mind shouldn't be anything that uh keeps them from making those airflow probes um so hopefully we'll see that come to market soon um, yeah, the there's probe, definitely a market. I don't know why they haven't yep. got into that, but the other probe I'm using from them is their wireless vacuum gauge, their MG44, mm. which it's an awesome vac gauge. 
Uh, it is a little bulky uh, compared to, say, Testo or right. even like CPS, uh, which I have both. But I was actually getting ready to ask if you use any CPS stuff because I know they've come out with a lot of newer smart tools in the last few years. Yeah, I got a couple of them, um, but I still go back to you know, field piece and testo for the majority of things. I, I tend to use what CPS products I do have for tools, I, I tend to use as backups now or um, on another job if I've got to start up two jobs that need the same set of tools and I have to leave one behind on a site for a reason, then I can get them going with my backup set of, say, vacuum gauges or uh, uh, probes that I have from CPS. Yeah, because I know they came up with all the, uh, like, the different data loggers mm -hmm. that they've they've launched that all tie in together. Yep. Now, do you see yourself using the, do you have any of the fill piece as far as uh, amp draws, power incoming, as far as tying it all in on the on the app? Uh, I have. I have not yet. Uh, so, electrical meter wise, I'm using exclusively Fluke. Okay. Um, I have used UEI previously. That was uh, my first meter. Yep. It, it's a good meter. The good old UEI. G2 Eagle or Eagle G2. Yep. Uh, good meter, some good attachments for it. Uh, but for reliability and for the, the caliber of equipment I'm working on, I'll stick with and trust Fluke myself. Yeah. Yes, you're paying for the name, but um, well, they just work. Well, not necessarily work. just paying for the name. Yeah, now Fluke's good stuff. They, sure. they do build quality stuff, but you're, you're also paying for the name too. Right. Yep with that brand uh, what other tools do I have in the repertoire um, vac gauge hoses because in the vacuum gauge or sorry in the vacuum world the slogan of bigger is better does actually hold true um, so I am running Appion uh, half inch vac hoses for evacuation I haven't made okay. the step up to the true blue hoses uh, from AccuTools. Uh, I'm on the fence on whether or not I'd shell out the money for those. Uh, right. I prefer the Appion set because the, the hoses are flexible and remain flexible and malleable. Uh, in colder climates, from the people I've talked with, the true blue hoses become pretty rigid. <clears throat> yeah, you're kind of in a colder climate. <laughs> Sometimes. A little bit. I mean, a like, little bit. you know, today was pretty pleasant. We were in the, the high 70s. Um, so around, like, in the you know, mid-20 degree Celsius range, but you know, upper 70s. Everything's Fahrenheit here. Okay. Oh, Celsius has been mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> and we're lost. I, I, I might not be as, as fast on the conversion as Ilya is, but um, here, I'll hit you with one. Minus 40 is minus 40. <laughs> That's the only number that lines up um, on both the Celsius and Fahrenheit scale. He did transition well with that. He, he did. just kind of went right in there. and Yep. Ryden's like, hang on a minute. Back it up. I thought you were a Celsius guy. He's like, no. Yeah, we we got to do both. Um, right. So, you know, for the 
the air handling product line that I work on, um, obviously being a U.S. manufactured product, all of the controls are programmed in Fahrenheit. Uh, however, I was curious about stuff like that. So yeah, like I love this. There is the option to um, change it over to Celsius within the programming, because uh, a lot of well, I, I'm not going to say necessarily a lot. It, it's kind of fifty-fifty up here if the if it's getting tied into a building automation it's kind of 50 50 if the automation technician wants uh their back net um points sent back in fahrenheit or in in celsius so having to convert back and forth between the two temperature scales is pretty much a must up here for the line of work that like illy and i do all right so is it or is it not the TXV? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I love no, that post it's today. It's all EEVs now. It's all EEVs now. Man, I'm ready. Bring it on. I wish everything was EEV. If it's Jeez. EEV now, uh, it, the line's going to have to change from it's not the TXV to it's not the EXV or not the EEV. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you follow any of uh, Gary's content... Um, and many others. Um, the TXV is one of the most misunderstood devices in our industry. It is. And it is so commonly misdiagnosed as being defective. And in the process of changing out a TXV and removing all the refrigerant, changing out filter dryers that may be plugged, um, and then charging back, charging the system back with virgin refrigerant, um, and everything working properly thereafter, people go, see, it was the TXV. Well, no, it, it actually probably wasn't the TXV. <laughs> I, they, they don't fail that often if everything was set up proper. It's usually something else. So if the TXV has an inlet screen, and operation seems to plummet, well, is it a plugged inlet screen on the TXV? If so, the fault is not the TXV. The fault is you had debris in the system because someone didn't follow proper brazing practices and you have a ton of carbon flake within the the pipe, which with, you know, our... That's huge. Air quote, modern, you know, refrigerant of 410A... Mm -hmm. Um, it's just going to clean the pipes and pull everything off. And where is it going to deposit it in the smallest orifice, whether yep. that be, you know, a piston, an orifice or a TXV or a TXV screen, that's where it's all going to go. Some of it's going to end up in a filter dryer as well. So, you know, you may have a plugged up filter dryer, which, you know, people aren't taking the proper temperature checks across filter dryers and instead misdiagnosing TXVs as being bad or the, the inlet screen being plugged on a TXV where you don't have to change the valve, you pull the screen, blow it out or replace it, reinstall it, do your proper evacuation, recharge, and everything's back up and good and ready to go. Yep. Now, there are certain Now, Matt, that takes too much time. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do it right? Or Most of them don't care, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. 
my kid, so, my statement yeah. of I don't care is derived around the fact of you need to take the appropriate time to do proper diagnosis and proper work. Yep. I don't care about the excuse of I don't have time. The excuse of I don't have time is either A, you're too lazy to do the work, or B, you have way too many external pressures from upper management or you know, from your boss or other factors that aren't allowing you to do the proper work, which you need to then take a stand to say, no, this is the amount of time I need to do the job properly to minimize callbacks. You give me yeah, the appropriate the amount of, of time day, to do yeah. my job and do it right, and you're not going to get a callback. Because what is the ultimate revenue killer? The amount of times you get called back to a mm-hmm. site. Because the, the customer is not going to keep paying for you to come back. You know, after one no. or two visits, it's going to be like, oh, you're back again. Yeah. <laughs> and whether the technician realizes it or not, I'd argue that most don't, is the company that they're working for is now eating that cost. And you want to impress your you know, employer, you want to impress your boss, stand up for what you need to do proper and do it proper to minimize those callbacks. Because in the long haul, yeah, it might cost a bit more to do the job up front, but you're not going to get called back and have repeated you know, expenses that the company has to eat because of that, because the time wasn't spent to do the job right in the first place. Yeah, I had a few last summer. Um, I kept getting this call. Uh, it was brand new startup. You know, I'd get this call where it was, the head pressure was not, nothing out of the ordinary right but the suction was on the lower side and they replaced the txv before they called me of course um just went with that it wasn't like pumping down into a vacuum or anything right but it was a pretty low suction um they check airflow check this check that end up changing the txv with no luck still the same and we would take a temperature across the dryer well i'd always start with just the liquid line right just take a temperature at the unit and let's take it at the indoor unit what do you got they're like oh you know it ain't but like seven or eight degree difference i'm like that's a problem <laughs> right it is you know why what where's that difference coming from and i would have these dryers that weren't crimped enough on the ring and the three-eighths line was sliding up in there about an inch and a half instead of, you know, a half inch or however much it goes up in a dryer. So it was just restricting it a little bit and nothing was freezing up. Nothing was uh, visually just alarming. Right. Yeah. Um, but take a temperature and I'd be, he's like, Oh geez. They'd un, you know, a couple of them would un, unsolder it send me a picture of where the line set was up in the dryer right and it'd be like an inch and a half up in there um so dryer manufacturer you know slipped through the cracks there there was i had quite a few in one little town um but it was just giving these guys hell man like and and every one of them the txv got replaced immediately course it does because it was the uh, txv right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it was 
the real head scratcher is when they say it's the TXV, <clears throat> they replace the TXV, and they still have the same issue. It's still the TXV. Right. It's bad. It's bad out of the box. Oh, Absolutely. it's the unit. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Completely yeah, defective from manufacture. Yes. Because they-, <laughs> <laughs> they, they never throttle those to make sure they work or anything. No, no. What they do is they, they take the superheat spring stem and they crank it until they hear it start to crack. And then as it's cracking, you put a pipe wrench on it and give it that last <laughs> full turn. So do you mess with any TXVs that you're adjusting? Yeah. I figured you would. Yep. Um, of course, we don't see that a whole lot. Now, on our residential side, we've got our EEVs, right, that we have the superheat dip switches we can tinker with, but yep, um, not so much on the mechanical side. So in the products I work on, we depending on how it's ordered, we can either have mechanical TXVs or EEVs. Uh, and we're most commonly going to be seeing EEVs on VFD compressor setups. Yep. Right. Um, I'd like to see them on digital compressor setups as well because the turndown and response time on an EEV is so much better than a mechanical TXV. But I'm merely the guy who starts up the equipment. I don't design it. Right. <laughs> um, now, are you, are you seeing 500 step EEVs or are you seeing higher? Uh, that Same. and higher. Okay. It, it depends on the uh, application and on the... Basically. 500 seems like a lot, right? But Yeah, I, you know, to give, give you a bit of perspective, uh, on some of the modulating hot gas reheat valves uh, that we have, the high-resolution valves are, off the top of my head, 1,000 or 5,000 steps. Mm, okay. Well, that's my knee right there. So to see an EXV or EEV in the same range would not be all that surprising to me. Yeah, I just feel like some of this stuff is really starting to make its way. It's making a hard push in the residential side, especially when we hit this next year. Um, at least in the south. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to the new, uh, in our line, in our brand that we... That we're repping is uh there's a middle of the road um three-stage heat pump with a twin rotary compressor that the contractor is going to have a fun time with mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep i think uh, it's I can uh say that a lot yeah. of contractors like installation uh contractors and even service technicians that uh I have to go out and assist on service calls. Uh, when I bring them up to a digital compressor, uh, a lot of them have never heard a digital compressor. Uh, and for those that haven't, the sound of the compressor, actually a digital scroll changes based off of if it is running loaded or unloaded. So right. a, a loaded digital scroll compressor sounds like your regular typical scroll. Uh, when that scroll goes to unload, there's an audible change in the pitch and sound of that compressor. It, it sounds deeper. sounds like there's something going wrong. I've had many a call where I'm called out to a site 
or a facilities manager um, or a service technician uh, calls us out because they think the compressor is damaged or defective and we show up and no, it's operating perfectly normally. It's just unloading. Um, it's mm. doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and you know, having a digital compressor going along the lines of technological advances, yeah, they've been around for a while, but uh, you know, going back to the discussion of you know Elon throwing sensors in and wanting to do HVAC, <laughs> well, and look at energy, you know, savings. Well, a, a, a digital compressor or even a VFD compressor are, are going to be the way of the future. Right. It's, uh, you're going to see it permeate more and more. Uh, it, gone are going to be the days of just the simple on-off compressors because you're wasting a lot of energy starting those up from lock rotor. Oh, as yeah. Opposed, as opposed to a digital that you, know, you can unload, separate those in a digital scroll, separate those scrolls by maybe seven thou of an inch, uh, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, so that the orbiting scroll and stationary scroll are separated enough so that the gas is bypassing around and you're not actually moving any refrigerant. Right. But once those scrolls meet back up, you've now circumvented the energy loss that you're going to have drawing lock rotor on a simple on-off compressor. See, I told my dad to just, it was fine for me to just leave the lights on in the house instead of turning (laughs) them off and on. Try to tell him that. Yeah, you just change everything over to LEDs. You'll be all good. You can flip right. them on and off all you want. Use more power turning them on and off. Just leave them on. Yeah. Uh, that goes to a bit of the uh, you know energy-saving features of just let it run at one constant temperature. Right. Because you know, a lot of people think you're going to you know, save a lot of uh, money doing you know temperature turnbacks and when you're not in your house going to the residential side not in your house versus you know say sleeping you're gonna spend depending on how much the you know temperature turn down you're doing during those time periods you may actually spend more money to bring it back to where you want it in your occupied time period I'm glad you brought that up leaving always, it constant I always feel like I'm the only guy in the room that's like Set it and forget it. Quit. Of course, I know every all these brands got to, these thermostats have got to come out with all this stuff, right? To try to make a footprint. But at the end of the day, it turns it on and off. I mean, t- <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know. The geofencing and all this stuff. I mean, I guess consumers are, are, are buying into that. But, um, Oh, uh, they're buying into it hook, line, and sinker because Google told them to. Yeah, I mean, I used to show up at homeowner's house and they're like, here's this nest. Uh, can you put this on? Because I have got to get this power bill down. It's killing me. I'm like, what? This is not going to help your power bill. <laughs> how How is that going to help your power bill? What do you keep it in here? Ah, 68. Oh. Huh. <laughs> yeah, not helping. There's your problem right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this thing kind gonna of tell me dry curing in the basement while you're having it at that temperature. <laughs> right. I can't say nothing. We keep it seventy in our place because this thing's oversized. Yeah, but, but when you leave, you don't turn it to eighty, right? No. That's an entirely interesting, different conversation right there that you brought up, Ryden. Um, <laughs> Apartment. I didn't put it in. 
No, not the issue of oversized equipment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, is how much equipment in, in the residential side of things is oversized. Uh, how much is over and undersized, buddy? It, it's, it, it's probably yeah. almost equally as bad on both sides. And then uh, don't even get us started on ductwork. If the government would regulate, if government would regulate, well, I mean, you gotta. Work, but uh, can I get some flex from you? No, no, <laughs> no. Sorry, I'm, I'm glad we established that as a hard definitive no. <laughs> That's a hard no. Jeez, that was a hard no. That's a hard no. And and uh, I mean, you want R6? What size you want? I mean, I can put it on wheel call. I mean, if you're willing to drive that far, it, I, I might give it to you out of just sympathy. Yeah. What's what's <laughs> the lead time to get that? You know, next day freighted up here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's next day, then that would be the lead time. But R four, R four, coming your way. R four, oh, uh, but you didn't know that next day lead time due to supply chain shortages is uh, probably about six months now. Oh, it's terrible. They keep saying like, "Oh, it'll be good by Q four. No, it won't. No, uh, I don't think so. They just didn't say what year of <laughs> exactly right, good and the call. price increase that's coming with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, my favorite thing is to continue getting price increases on stuff I don't even have in my building, <laughs> but it's been paid for or That's ordered. Yeah. Well, just wait till uh, the refrigerant change hits oh. you guys as well. Well, I, I mean, mean we, we talked a little bit about that. I see. We're going to ha- have that twice because we've got the efficiency ch- changes that were being driven partially by that refrigerant change are still happening. So next year we've got to deal with. I would say probably between a 20 and 30% price increase um, just based mm-hmm. on the changeover to more expensive internal components Yep. and higher, you know, higher levels of technology. The average homeowner is going to have a hard time financing a, a system. They're already, I'm already seeing that because systems are costing almost double what they did two years ago Absolutely. because of inflation. Yeah. So, two- Two stage is going to be the minimum well, for residential but, down I mean, here. You know, you're looking at people that two years ago they could finance an eight thousand dollar system. Well, that same system now is, you know, between twelve and fifteen. They don't have the credit for it. And most people these days, after two years of lockdown, I'll be honest, a lot of people's savings, if they even had any, they They're gone. gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they bought absolutely. Two- they bought it, spent on it all of it on Trulies and White Claws. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to so, hold an idea a second, guys, because I have to go yep. get a refill. So Dude, I'm going to uh, be back I think momentarily. We refill. All right. So please pause with me. Your call is important. I will be back momentarily. Where's Corey at? We need some elevator music while we get beer. Oh, so we're all going? All right, oh, I'm, I'm going. Yeah, we're all going. This refill break brought to you by the good friends at Great Lake Brewing. This is uh, a HVAC Brew of the Week round two. <laughs> exactly. Round right. two brought to you by a different IPA of uh, the octopus wants to fight. <laughs> oh, I seen a picture of that today. Yeah, I like that. It's uh, some interesting can art and good names that the brewers up here come up with. I've seen many that uh, similar kind of line down in the states as well. So, how are the breweries up there? They got some. Oh, 
That's how that brewery is. As far as walking in, get some some good food. Are they pretty big up there like that, or you just? Uh, it depends. As far as like a brick and mortar, you know. So th- there's a good number of them that are brick and mortar, and there's a decent number of them that also have restaurants built into them. Those would be your okay. bigger microbrews or your bigger craft breweries. Uh, there's a lot of nano brews, uh, in my neck of the woods as well. So in my HVAC endeavors, um, I've literally traveled pretty much all of Ontario, Canada (laughs) to give you a perspective where I am to steal a line from Gary in a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada, (laughs) north of Toronto, Canada is where (laughs) the two of us are. Sorry, Gary, I'm giving away your location. Um, So where I am, about a half hour north of Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, for me to get to the Niagara Falls area is about an hour and a half drive. Um, For me, which would obviously be bordered on Buffalo. For me to get down to Windsor, Ontario, which is bordered on Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll get to Rochester in a second. (laughs) Uh, Down to Windsor is about four hours from where I am. Uh, Where you'd be taking, if you were, to get on a boat to go over to Rochester. Rochester! (laughs) That'd be uh, more in line with uh, like Trenton, Prince Edward County area of Ontario which is about a couple hours we're away from where I am, um, which you just carry on and keep going towards Kingston and Ottawa, which Ottawa is about four hours from where I am. But the big kicker, so I've been to all those places doing HVAC and all the breweries, or try to get hit up as many breweries as I can there. The furthest I've gone uh, to do what I do is I've driven from my neck of the woods to a spot called Kenora, Ontario. Now, Kenora is two and a half hours away from the next province, uh, from Winnipeg, Manitoba. So from where I am, it's a 20-hour drive. Mm. Now, I could drive from my house almost to Florida, down to Disney World, where I'm going to be going in about three weeks, in about 20 hours. So (laughs) you could drive through Ontario... From where I am, or I could get to Florida. I'd much rather go to Florida, but I've literally seen (laughs) pretty much all of Ontario doing what I do. And anywhere I go in Ontario, I try to hit up some local breweries as well, see what they got to offer. It's uh, a passion and a curse. You stay in overnight (laughs) on a lot of these trips, or you just... Oh, yeah. If I'm driving more than four hours, I'm staying over. Right. Okay. It's uh, there have been certain instances where we'll do a round trip in four hours, like four hours there. If it's going to be a quick job, say under two hours, um, we'll do the four-hour drive. We'll do the work, then we'll do the four-hour drive back. And um, unlike most companies, we get paid drive time because of the territory we cover. Right. Because it'd be ludicrous to ask someone to drive the amount of driving we do at the company I work for 
without compensating them and just paying them their time on site. It, you wouldn't say, attract you, anybody to work there. You yeah. said two hours. I noticed whenever I go to a job site to do anything, just to, you know, all right, we, we can't fix it over the phone. We've hit a wall. I'm coming out. Um, two hours goes by real fast. That's true. You ever notice that on, on HVAC, like whether you're starting it up or, um, it's funny how they're like, I've been over here, you know, I've been working on this thing at least 30 minutes and I'm like, dude, it takes me longer than that to hook all this stuff up. Yeah. So to give perspective on some of the equipment I work on for the smaller rooftop and air handling units, uh, to do a proper commissioning, I'm about half a day if everything goes well. Yeah. For larger ones, it can be a day or two days to properly commission and start up and get everything I need. Um, yeah, you might you might start up just the cooling side of something for that day, or yep, might just get the, the fans other. going for air circulation. Right. It, it all depends on what we encounter uh, during the commissioning process, and to give you an idea of. You know, we talked about the service call I had today, the first service call for the in, incorrectly installed humidifier. I, I was there for on site about four hours uh, just to go through every little detail I could to give right. them the proper next steps on how we're going to proceed forward to get this piece of equipment back up on, online. So, you know, today I ran two service calls. I don't know how people run 18. (laughs) Not doing it proper. Uh, No. Anybody that's that's bragging about doing that many calls. Like, if you need that for your ego, okay, I'll let you have it. But I'll also stay say straight to your face. You're not doing it right. You're leaving money on the table. Like you yeah, guys have that's identified. That's a whole another show. Yeah, that's a whole man. That's um. Yep. I talk to techs every day like that. Of course, I tell them too, you know, because I feel like it's my it's my duty, my place to go ahead and break that down to them too, because I've experienced that. And like, look, man, you gotta, you know, you gotta approach this differently. Um. Especially residential, man. That's a god. It's a huge problem. Uh, residential and commercial, it's going to be similar problems. Um, right. Imagine we had a pay structure where technicians are paid for things not breaking down. Where instead of you know running 18 service calls or however many, you have in the commercial in- industry... In service, usually a usual setup is a technician is given a certain number of buildings to look after. Right. And imagine that their company was paying them based off of how infrequently they need (laughs) to come out and work on equipment. Yeah, he'd spend about four hours on that one when he got to it. Just, (laughs) yep. Think of how mind-opening and eye-opening that would be. Instead of, oh, I, I went out and you know, let's use a grocery store example. Instead of, oh, yeah, no, I had to go out and I had to, you know, 
I had the deli cases and the uh, freezer cases down. And that night I was able to get the freezer cases back up. Imagine being paid for, hey, this month, none of my cases went down at that location because of the work and the service that I'm providing. That's the kind right. of mind shift that needs to start permeating a bit into our industry, both commercial and residential. Right. Like, yes, stuff's going to break down. Anything mechanical will break <laughs> down. No, man, you took, you literally took the words out of my mouth on that one. I say that more times than people probably want to hear me say it. Yep. Yeah, even new stuff. I mean, I mean it, I, you know, it, I get new it's stuff. It's a machine. It's broke. It's a machine. Anything with moving parts or electricity going through it can and will break down. How do we minimize that? By taking the proper amount of time required to start it, install it proper and start it up proper. And then after it's started up properly, to keep servicing it properly. Yep. That's how you're going to get the longest you know, lifespan out of the piece of equipment. Correct. And you put up the upfront cost to have everything done right from the install to the commissioning. And then you don't necessarily have to put in as much expense into the continued maintenance and service. Yes, you need to maintain and service the equipment and you need to maintain it at regular intervals. But if those two first steps were done proper, it's going to help mitigate a lot of problems going down the line. So I wonder if, if manufacturers are going to start cinching up a little bit or uh, tightening up a little bit on warranty parts because I, I see a lot of warranty parts coming back. Well, you know? and seeing how I think they're going to start trying to do more warranty processes through mobile apps. I know we keep seeing that coming. I right. think I think that's going to be part of it is they're going to be having guys try to, they're going to have to file warranties in the field. That's what I'm doing for one product um, line. So, so I think in some cases, half the warranties that probably get attempted, they're going to not be patient enough to do it, do that part properly. So some of them probably just won't end up getting warrantied. I'm sure that I'm going to get the phone call that they're mad about it. That's going to be me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had one of those conversations um, this week on a, a site. So it was a, a site that I commissioned uh, back in 2019. And I was called out to the site because they're having issues with some condensing units. Uh, so um, they had a shorted out compressor and a condenser coil leak. So it's, this is a 40 ton condensing unit, uh, tandem compressors, so 20 tons per circuit. And the first circuit, uh, the second compressor uh, had all, it's a 575 three phase system. Hmm. All three compressor motor windings were shorted to ground. Wow, and, all three? Yep. Nice. So that was an easy diagnosis. And since it was started up in 2019, there's a five-year compressor warranty. It'll be get a new warranty compressor. Uh, prior to putting it in, it'll be running an acid test. 
uh, and a few other things to make sure that we don't lose another compressor. The condenser coil, because it was started in 2019, there is one year warranty from date of startup. Now the facilities manager tried to argue, you know, these units haven't even really ran because of <laughs> lockdown. Like, it doesn't matter. They've still been exposed to elements and everything else for the two years. Exactly. And not running it is even worse than running it. Yep. It's like, I, I understand your facility has been locked down and unoccupied. It's a community center. Um, however, your warranty starts at date of commissioning. Well, how do you know it was that date? I did it. Because I did it. <laughs> and the look on the gentleman's face just dropped. It's like, what do you mean you did it? I'm like, I commissioned all three of these condensing units. So I know the exact date. I still have all the startup documents saved on my home computer. I know when your warranty starts. I know it's still under warranty. But you weren't working for the company you're with right now. I'm like, yes, I know. I left the company I was at to join the company that reps the product line that I commissioned. I was hired previously as a third-party startup technician. And I've made my way to work for the company that actually reps the product. And to no surprise, I'm going to walk onto sites that I had previously commissioned in the over right. three and a half <laughs> years that I was doing third-party startups. And I'm going to walk into more and more situations like this. It's right. it's going to be inevitable. And you just have to give them the, the unfortunate hard, cold facts of, look, this piece of equipment was sold at this date. It was started up at this date. This is the warranty that was purchased for the appliance. Certain things can be still potentially covered under warranty and certain things cannot. Yep. But, but the entire thing should be. These are the components that are, and these are the components are, that are not. Now, how do you want to discuss next steps yeah, on how we're going to bring the entire thing back into full service? Because we're here to work with you. We're not here to work against you. It may sound like we're here to work against you by simply stating this is warranty, this is not. But ultimately, my end goal as a commissioning and service technician is to make sure that the appliance is working in its proper, full operating capacity and operating as long as possible for the life of the appliance so that the end user gets the best experience with the product line so that at the end of the day, when it's the end of the lifespan of that appliance, they want to come back to it and purchase it again. Right. So yeah, I feel like we've lost some of that too. No, we've lost a lot of that. Yeah. We have lost a lot of that. There are, there are people that still hold that value. Um, right. I, I know a certain guy who likes to cook a lot of food and <laughs> eat at different places that to steal a line of his, him and I are cut from the similar cloth. It's yep. you know, to steal Ilya's line. When, when we do a startup, it's, uh, you know, I was happy to meet you. I hope I never have to see you again in my life. Yep. <laughs> it's, I, I've done my job properly and this is appliance is supposed to work because I've done my job properly. And because of that, hopefully you'll never see me here again. Yeah, it's the same in my training classes. I'm like, this is my, this is the <laughs> cell phone number for tech support. I hope I don't hear from you. <laughs> exactly. Hope I never hear from you. They're like, well, here's Ryden's card for the complaint department. 
<laughs> yep. File 13 over here. File it under G for garbage, please. Oh, All right. So I'm going to bring us into the fourth segment here. It is way off topic. I didn't even ask Matt if he was a golfer or not. You know, I try to make this a golf podcast. So um, I have noticed you have uh, referenced uh, this particular podcast and uh, thing that I believe you're about to bring up. Uh, have you so, started listening to them? <laughs> that I have not had the opportunity okay. to do so. I, I might uh, after today. But. So, uh, yeah, they always have some random topic on there that's not that's non golf related. So I always bring them in our, you know, as our non HVAC related topic. Um, so they had a pilot on the show. This is a golf podcast. They had a pilot on there. And this is just interesting stuff to me, right? So they're like, what questions can we ask this guy? Um, it's all questions everybody wants to know, right? So um, they asked him about the whole cell phone thing. They're like, you know, I'm, we're, we're fourth in line to take off. Um, I get one of the guys is like, I get a call from my sheetrock guy who's, Got a question. I'm he's having some from the work trade on guy. His house. Good job, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing in the trades. Sheetrock guy or his HVAC guy. Yeah, whatever. Who only sits um, beside riding on flights, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're like fourth in line to get ready to take off, and he just answers the call, and the uh steward is just just reams his ass out. You can't answer that. Put the phone down, you know. Um so they asked the pilot, what's the deal with that? He goes, you know what? It's all bullshit. They're like, what? I mean, this guy's like, <laughs> he's like a pilot for uh, for Delta, right? He's like, he didn't want to say it. He's like, man, unfortunately, it is all bullshit. It does have nothing to do with what's going on up here. He's like, but it's just regulations that she has to do. Like, it is what it is. She has to tell you that. And I'm like, God, this guy just said this on this podcast. It's huge this podcast is huge he's like yeah huge. it's kind of all it's kind of all bullshit um the, this is where we break this you know the sixth wall and start exposing all the bullshit in our trade no i'm kidding right yeah. oh we, that's a we may have to circle back on that <laughs> i'm kidding don't worry we, we won't tell the customers about the flux capacitors and realigning the dilithium crystals in those things right <laughs> right yep the phase shifters. Uh, <laughs> so the other one was, uh, you know, he goes through these, uh, he goes through these simulators when he has to learn to fly a new plane. And he said that when he finally gets to fly the plane, that's the first time he's ever touched it. <laughs> like he's only, you know, he does the simulator when he's getting that, you know, they bring a new plane out. Um, he never actually flies it in person until he flies people around on it. So we're like, shit, that ain't good. But um, I don't know how you feel about flying, Matt. I'm going to be doing you it cool. shortly. Um, you fly a lot? Not overly. Um, so there's certain things that for work I'd need to fly for for certain trainings, uh, right. which we've done. 
Uh, and coming up uh, on, let's see, July 16th, uh, I'm taking myself, my better three-quarter, and the young <laughs> Padawan down to Disney World for a week. So we'll be flying for that. Nice. Which will be their first time flying since pre-pandemic. So they're in for a treat at the airports. Ugh. Thankfully, they, they won't have to go through the fun I did when I, the last <laughs> time I flew down to the States, um, when I flew into Kansas, it was still um, kind of mid-pandemic or kind of tail end-ish of the pandemic. So yeah, uh, to enter the United States, I had to have a rapid antigen test 24 hours prior to my departure. Uh, which is no big deal. I've had to do plenty of those to enter different lawn care uh, home facilities to do uh, various commissioning and HVAC service work. Right. Uh, the shit show that happened was to return to Canada. I had to do have a negative PCR test. So when I got down to Kansas, I had a scheduled PCR test at a unnamed company that shall remain CVS. <laughs> and went to their drive-thru to do my, my PCR test. No problems. Uh, and then they said, uh, just drop your test in that random unmarked metal box on the side of our pharmacy drive-thru. That, that's when the alarm bells started going off. Like, okay. What? Uh, Shit, I'm, there's mail in there. There's yeah. mail in there. <laughs> <laughs> there was a trash panda that attacked me, aka oh, raccoon. Yep. <laughs> like, all I want to do is take this test so that, you know, in a couple days I can go back home. Uh, so, you know, take the test, throw it in, start going off for my training and whatnot. And uh, the day I'm supposed to leave, I hadn't got my email uh, with my test results. So I call CVS early in the morning and goes through their automated bullshit system, oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which I was able to get a computer response that my test was negative, but uh, no email copy. So then Great. I set up an online profile for which I need to specify my address. So while well, I'm visiting from Canada, so my address is the hotel I'm staying at. <laughs> well, it, it actually wouldn't register me as being a a member for CVS. So I spent the last day of my training in the morning. I spent three and a half hours arguing with various people uh, through CVS call centers and various other ones to get my dang results so I can leave and come back to Canada. And what a pain in the, you know what that was. So if I never have to deal with that particular pharmacy chain again, uh, it'll be too soon. <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't think you'll have to deal with any of that. Hopefully not. Good uh, thing I was good about Walgreens earlier. At least we got one left. I'll stick with Walgreens for now, so long as they're not <laughs> continually closing down like I've heard they have been. Like all of them are. Yeah. Every, every major pharmacy is having closures left and right. Now I don't want to talk about where they asked him he's he's going to crash this pilot because hey, now you're flying golf course. Bad, but yeah, so what do you think he said? They asked him. They're like, so if both engines go down because 
the training he said he gets is insane, right? It's all worst case scenario. You got two engines fail. You got one guy in the back having a heart attack, literally, <laughs> as the engine because failed. the engines failed, and and you know there's four people in the bathroom. Like he said, the training is insane. And Thanos but, magically appeared on the plane and is about to snap. <laughs> um, they asked him, "Where do you where do you where do you land if you're gonna if you're gonna crash?" He's like, "An airport." <laughs> like that's literally what he said. Yeah. An airport. He goes, you'd be surprised how many airports. They're like, you don't just put that thing in a cornfield or a, or a highway. He's like, no. It depends He's on like, where you are. Yeah. He said, there's hundreds of airports that you don't realize exist. Yep. Uh, you just put it down right there. Um, but then how also, are we turbulence is no problem. Out of I know, that, right? How are, how are we going to make like <laughs> Sully part two? Right. <laughs> I'm going to be in the Hudson. Please turn yeah, around and uh, land at the airport. Nope, we're going to be in the Hudson. It's like, no, I'm going to land it on the golf course with the trash pandas. <laughs> he did and say turbulence was, turbulence was nothing. He said, never be alarmed at turbulence. I said, okay. So No, you, you'd be alarmed when those masks drop from the... Uh, ceiling oh yeah that shit's real when when those drop it's on man yep it's on that's that's go time at that point help yourself first i was gonna say yours first forget the baby (laughs) forget the baby you you gotta get high on that pure oxygen first he's getting plenty of oxygen he's crying his ass off he's cried for four hours already um god that last flight from rochester we're gonna, that's going to be on our first hoodie <laughs> on the back. You put that on the side of a toque and that'll sell. That's right. <laughs> All right. So what kind of podcast you want to throw out there? We always try to throw people out. You like to listen to whether it's HVAC or whatever you got. Uh, so podcast wise, well, First and foremost, uh, Gary McCready's HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Um, yep. Close second. Nah, tied for first. Uh, please listen to the one we're talking on right now, HVAC R&D. There you go. Shameless plug there. I'll, I'll yeah, accept the free swag plug. later. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> in, in, all, in all seriousness, <laughs> people need to be listening to your podcast because you guys bring a different flavor, a, m- a more laid back, approachable flavor where you're still delivering very good technical information that is just easy listening. And it's right. just a pleasure to tune into your guys' podcasts and listen to the different guests that you have. And that's no BS on my side. And that's not because I'm here talking to you guys. Um, I'd plug that on my own social media stuff if I was never a guest, just like when Ilya was on. It's I was plugging his appearance on your guys' podcast, try to get more traffic driven your way. Right. I it, appreciate it, man. It's yeah. You guys are doing awesome stuff. Keep up the awesome work. Uh, who else to mention? Uh, Refrigeration Mentor Podcast, Trevor Matthews. Uh, okay. Yeah, tune I, mean, I definitely t- need to, to tune into some of that. Tune into Trevor because Trevor has an infectious presentation method and an infectious way of drawing you into what he's saying. He's so likable. 
so knowledgeable. This is a gentleman who was the lead trainer at Copeland Emerson in North America for well over seven years, who has now gone out on his own to start a refrigeration training company that's completely his own, to follow his passion to train refrigeration technicians to do things the right way. And Trevor is so well connected and so approachable. He's a a personality that people need to pay attention to. He's going to be one to listen to for a long, long time. Um, Okay. That's a new one on here. We may have to. May have to give a little plug his way. If you guys can ever get Trevor on your show, he's a phenomenal guy to talk with. Great guy. Super knowledgeable, super down to earth. Um, uh, Sarah Benoy, uh, nerdy girl mechanic. Uh, she has a podcast, Women Behind the Wrench. Uh, she's been she's actually, occupied. She's actually coming on soon, believe it or not. Yep. She had yep. mentioned that, uh, that you guys have been in contact with her about coming on your show. Uh, Sarah's an awesome person. Um, and hopefully she'll have time. She was really tied up in HVAC school and focusing on her career uh, the past little bit. Uh, so her podcast has had to take a bit of a back burner. Um, so hopefully she can restart that because she's producing great contact, great content, bringing awareness to the skilled trades and the actual women in our skilled trades who are a minority that, in my humble opinion, need not be a minority we need to be on equal playing ground we need more women in that skilled trades across every right. industry we've actually had we've had a couple of female techs that worked for for one of our customers that had been in the store the last couple of weeks so like we're starting to see it more and more down here too yeah, yeah just stroll in and they're you know dirty and they got all their their gear on and asking about stuff and unfortunately it's still a little weird right when they stroll in the supply house and yeah it's just it shouldn't be that way no um, it shouldn't at all as but, uh, the next podcast that i'm going to plug says why are we ignoring 50 percent of the population in women like we're, we're right we're experiencing a skilled trade shortage yep and our industry is predominantly male dominated we need to have equal representation from male and female in our industry. So word of the show is wobbly pops. I can't uh, let you just uh, run off awesome. of that without bringing that back. Yep. I haven't heard that one ever. You I haven't heard that one before. Get, no, no. Uh, wobbly pops. I'm going to have to trade me a wobbly Coke. Jack in it. Uh, well, Jim. Yeah. Jack, Jim, yak, whatever you're putting in there. <laughs> Whatever tickles Wobbly your fancy. Pop. Yep. Wobbly pop, cold one. Must be one of them North American Canadian slangs we have, right? I mean, I'll take a cold one. I haven't had a wobbly pop though. <laughs> hey. Not opposed. Now is Not that, opposed? Keep on using it. I'll, I'll charge you proprietary <laughs> use over it. That's all what right. you could call like all these uh alcoholic popsicles that are coming out. That could be a wobbly pop. There you go. There you go. Wobbly like, pop. All those uh, white claws, call them a wobbly pop. Yep. yep. Or uh, I believe uh, there's a kind of indie wrestler who's signed for, currently signed to a, a newer promotion. Um, 
wrestler who goes by the name of Danhausen. Um, he's called White Claw's Spicy Water. Spicy water. <laughs> spicy water. So you can go with Wobbly Pop or Spicy Water. Like it. All right. There's your reference Ooh. of the night. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I have got to get after it in the morning. Yeah, oh, likewise, you, I got a presentation to give at nine in the morning. Oh. Which entails a hour and 40 minute drive to get to where I need to do my presentation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, hey, appreciate you coming on, Matt. I well, appreciate you guys having time. me. It was, yeah, uh, we'll have to get you on again for sure. Awesome time. You know, float an idea past the two of you boys of, uh, as opposed to the two of you and one guest, we'll do the two of you and two Canadian commissioning oh, techs. I like it. In the same Oh, podcast. we've already yeah, talked about it. We've yeah. already talked. And we can now put, we can put enough people on here now that we can do that. Sweet. The only yeah. problem's going to be is... How do you do all the entrance walkout music? Do you got to do individual ones for each guest? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I feel like for Fantastic. that one, for that one, I got nothing have, but time. Well, we could always do a wrestling thing. We could there do we like, go. We could tag team. So we, have, <laughs> we have intro music per per team. Yeah, it sounds like Illy and I are gonna have to come up with a, a tag team name for us. I like it. Tag him in, Matt. He's coming in. There we go. Maybe <laughs> go with a little uh, Legion of Doom. Uh, oh, what a rush. <laughs> now I can't, Sounds good now I can't unsee the two of you in a Legion of Doom costume. Yep. <laughs> Picture us in with those sing- shoulder pads in a on. a singlet. I want to see Hilly <laughs> in a singlet. <laughs> uh, uh, good Lord. That would be the sight to see. All right, well, appreciate it, and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope y'all enjoyed Matt and his story, and we will see y'all next time. <laughs>